Well, let me welcome back Kevin Luco. Kevin, let's continue on uh, looking here at what's going on throughout the Minnesota Wild System. And very tough week uh, at, the, at the big club level and at the lowest club level. Iowa Wild looked pretty good this week. But let's start with the Minnesota Wild. Uh, one nothing loss to L.A. to begin the week. Uh, then lose. Then they go out and, and defeat Anaheim out on the road 4-1. to one, Go and win in Seattle one nothing. Then lose in a shootout at home against San Jose. Pretty solid week on the road, though, going two and one. It was an odd sort of week. Uh, when you look at the big picture, it's not so bad. You got five out of eight points. You went two, one, and one. But the story up here is on the positive side, the goaltending has been much improved. The team defense overall has improved in these last four games. But now we're wondering where the offense has gone because. Um, the offense has dried up. They only scored the one. They did, They got shut out in Los Angeles, scored the one goal to win a game in Seattle, and then they only had two yesterday. So if my McKinley Elementary math is right after the, I believe it was the four-goal outburst in Anaheim, that would be four, five, seven goals in four games. That's not that good when you consider the numbers they were putting up earlier in the year. So I know there's been a lot of a lot of personnel changes with injuries, and I think the the team identity now is a little different. Where they're worried more about defending their end as opposed to taking a risk in the offensive zone, but. You know, as Dean Evanson pointed out after the game last night, a loss to San Jose, that they got too many guys on offense um, playing a east east west game instead of a north south game. So, um, I think Evanson's got his work cut out this week because they go to Nashville on Tuesday night, but then boy, they have Pittsburgh at on Thursday. That's a high powered team. I know they're not off to a good start, but then. The Carolina Hurricanes come in for a visit on Saturday. So, well, I'll say one thing for this wild team is there's there's always stuff to talk about. It hasn't been a boring team. Do you feel like that this is then a conscious effort by the coaching staff to say we've got to do a better job of protecting our own net, and we're willing to give up offense to be able to do that? I think you can do both. And I'm sure that's a message that Dean Evanson and his staff is trying to convey to the team. But like I said, right now, it just seems like the it's just one too many passes. It's guys, instead of going to the net, they curl up and try to take a shot from the, you know, outside the face-off circles or feed to the point instead of going hard to the net and getting those greasy sort of goals. So... You know, I think uh, the team's just got to take on the mentality of more of a, you know, as a cliche would be a lunch bucket mentality of getting the puck to the net and being willing to go in and, you know, take take a cross check, take a couple hooks just to try to make that play in front of the net to get the puck in. They said disappointing seven total goals for the team scored this week. Only gave up five, though. So, you know, we've, we've talked about the struggles of the goaltending and primarily more defense around them, but you got to feel pretty good about the fact that they played very good defensively this week. Oh, no doubt about it. Uh, Mark andre Fleury has erased any doubts that the 
Minnesota fans were raising after a subpar first week for him. And Philip Gustafson has been good when he's had a chance. I know there was a goal last night. I think he would have liked to have had back the, on the game tying goal, but two goals and 30 plus shots, that's usually going to get your team to the pay window. So it looks like the, you know, they're defending their own end better. They just need to find that, find that um, fine line between uh, taking care of yourself defensively, but yet trying to generate some offense. And you know now, what? On, I have never. Please. If you got the puck in the other team's end, they can't score. That's what I heard. <laughs> I have heard that before. Yeah, that it's a it's it happens rarely, but it, I mean it's like a it's a very difficult circumstance to do that. Yeah, I've heard that. So, <laughs> uh, Joseph Kramer also have that though. Kevin comes up with a, uh, a a goal, his first NHL goal, I believe, uh, on uh, Wednesday night in that victory over over Anaheim. So congratulations to Joseph. A nice call up for him. Well, first goal, I think it's a lot. I think he did have some in his limited time with Anaheim um, back a few years ago. But interesting week for him. He comes up to Minnesota to get some game time. But then on Monday afternoon, he was uh, optioned back to Iowa as it sounds like Brandon Duhame is getting ready to be slotted back into the lineup again. And no no reward for... uh grabbing your first goal and, and you know, just up the club for just a couple of days and come up with a goal. But so well, as it is, I guess. That, but he also took a penalty late in the third period on Sunday night that fortunately Minnesota did kill off, but that's just a penalty you don't take in a, late in a, late in a tie hockey game. Now, one of the things you talked about a little bit last week was the benefits of heading to the road for this club. Um, the, not, not, the team was not playing very well at home early on. They come away with two and one on the road. Could the, this opportunity out on the road, could, could this be something that sparks this team now moving forward into games, like you said, Nashville, Pittsburgh, and Carolina this week? I think so, and I think maybe they're catching Nashville at a good time, too, as the Preds have struggled out of the gates this year, but I think with home games against Pittsburgh and Carolina, they need to reestablish that the Energy Center is going to be a tough place for a road team to come in and get a win. I don't know what's going on if they just feel like they have to put on a show more than they do when they're on the road or what, but, you know, Minnesota fans want to see wins. They have... You know, we, we, we've seen all the fancy stuff we could possibly see through all the years of hockey. We just want to see a winning team. We don't care if it's um, three gritty goals or if it's going to be goals that are going to be highlights in Sports Center. And I think the Wild need to find their find their hard-hitting north-south game and, and start winning some games at home and make teams feel that if you're coming to St. Paul, likely you're not going to get a win. Well, let's jump down to the AHL team, Kevin. Nice week for the weekend for the Iowa Heartlanders. Big 4-3 victory in Milwaukee, then go to Chicago where they come away with a 5-2 victory. Wild. Look, what's that? Iowa Wild. You said I, Heartlanders. Did I, oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, Iowa Wild. Thank you for correcting me. 
Yeah, they, they need some help, but we'll, we'll come back to them. So Iowa Wild, my, thank you for correcting me. 4-3 victory in Milwaukee, 5-2 victory in Chicago. Two of the tougher teams that they've had over the last five, six years to play. That, that, those are spots you want to win at if you're going to do something in this division. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, in past years, if you said you had a back-to-back where you're in Milwaukee and Chicago, you just kind of groan and hope that maybe you squeezed out a win or at least a point at some point. But credit to this um, Iowa Wild team that we had our doubts about. They went in and got two very impressive road victories. Nice victory in Milwaukee, too, Kevin, because they had one goal lead twice in this contest and saw Milwaukee come back and tie the score on each of those opportunities. Then finally got that two-goal advantage and, you know, were able to hang on for the victory. Zane McIntyre with 31 saves in that contest. They did give out the power play goal, but, you know, I, I, I think that's, to me, that was the bigger of the two victories just because Milwaukee has been, that rivalry you've talked about has been so huge between these two clubs. And when you can go there and, and beat the Admirals on their own home ice, you got to feel good about that kind of outcome. That seems to be a usual script, too, when the Wild go to Milwaukee, that it's always a one-goal game, and it's usually a thing where the lead bounces back and forth or it goes tied, one goal, tied, one goal. You never you rarely ever see a game in Milwaukee between those two clubs where one team just blows out the other. So it's just good to see the that um, Iowa came out on the better end of it on Friday night. Mitchell Chafee scores uh, his fifth goal of the season in that victory, Kevin. Five goals in the last four games, four straight goals with a uh, four straight games with a goal. Boy, all of a sudden he's caught fire for the club. He has, but the bad part about that was he was also injured and did not play on Saturday. So hopefully it's a injury that's not going to keep him out long term because, like you said, he was just starting to find his groove again after a very good season last year. And you hate to see that, too. A, a, a young man is really starting to fire on all cylinders, and then all of a sudden, you know, you, you get the injury. And so hopefully this is nothing but a, a minor little battle and he'll be back on the ice this week, which we'll talk about here in just a minute. But uh, Saturday night, Kevin, huge victory in Chicago, 5-2, to two, uh, two first-period goals. Uh, Chicago does get one to keep, keep them, themselves close, but... Uh, a goal by Nick Petten in the second, and Sammy Walker, the red-hot Sammy Walker, uh, with a goal in the um, his sixth in the in the third. But Kevin, man, how about that goal by Jesper Walstead coming up with the empty net tally shorthanded? Not only was it a goalie goal, but that thing was uh, dead center. It was a no doubter. It was not bouncing around. And just happened to roll in. Ballstead just like he knew his spot and just went for it, and there was a, it was a no doubter, and you had to love the celebration afterwards. But what a way to go out and get your first professional victory! Uh, shut down a pretty good Chicago team on the road to give your your team back to back wins on the road, and then uh, throwing a goal for good measure. Yeah, you know the funny part about that is. His first victory is probably not going to be remembered as much as the fact that he got a goal out of that, you know. So, I mean, exciting time, no doubt about that. And you got to be celebrating that goal because that, that's, you know, a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. But your first game, when, your first winning uh, a game as a goaltender, we got overshadowed by that. But 
That's okay, I guess. He has a good celebration. I wonder if he got two pucks, one to commemorate the win and one to commemorate the goal. <laughs> That's fantastic. Because, folks, I, I haven't seen that in a long time. I mean, I can't even think of the last goalie goal I saw. But uh, I think Ron Hextall had one a really long time ago, and I haven't seen many since. So, fantastic for him. The 18th all-time in the AHL. Wow. 18. That's pretty impressive. That league has been around forever, so that says a lot that only 18 have scored. Sammy Walker, though, uh, six goal on the season, Kevin. Six goals, six assists, and 11 games for this club. You know, we're talking about uh, Volstead looking really good, getting his first victory of the season. This Sammy Walker looks like he's he's got a bright future ahead. No doubt about it. He was uh, only a seventh-round draft pick by Tampa Bay, and after a four-year career at the University of Minnesota, Walker was a good player for the Gophers, but he was never a guy that you thought, oh, boy, this guy's got um, pro hockey potential written all over him. But he's just off to a splendid start with the Iowa Wild, and you hope that he's – hope that it's just not a – a good early burst. You hope it's something he can maintain through the season because he's going to need to be a goal producer because something we didn't talk about with the Minnesota Wild is that after the game on Sunday, Mason Shaw was told to go find a place to live in St. Paul, which is hockey language for you're not going back down to Iowa. You're, you're up here for good. So, the Iowa Wild lose their captain and a crucial part of their offense. So that's where you're going to need someone like a Sammy Walker to can build on this fabulous start he's having to his professional career. 5-3-3 three, and three is the Iowa Wild at this point, uh, fourth place in the Central Division. Right now they are two points behind Texas, as you and I are talking about it on this show. Uh, this week, though, the club has uh, – you know, the season, every, every game in this division is going to be brutal. But Friday night, Milwaukee comes back to town. Then they head to Milwaukee on Saturday. Then uh, a contest in Chicago on Sunday. So three games and three nights doesn't usually happen in the AHL, but it's becoming a little more frequently in recent weeks. And very three very tough opponents in, in two not easy to play in cities. No doubt about it. And you're, you're glad you got two good goalies going with – McIntyre and Falstep because boy, that's a that's a brutal three night stretch right there. And you know you're feeling good after getting wins in Milwaukee and Chicago. Now it's like, oh well, you got to go right back out and prove it again. Well, let's head down to the ECHL club. Tough weekend for the Heartlanders. Uh, they do come away with a point out of this, but had a, a great opportunity that they should have come away with a, a, their second victory of the season. But lose on Friday in Kansas City, eight to five. Then go to Wichita where they lose three to two in in, in overtime. Um, the club right now, Kevin, it, it, you know, I you kind of expected a lot of struggles in this first season, and I, I think you look at the second and you think, well, okay, we should see some improvement. I, you know, early on, I'm not seeing a, a different level out of this club. I, Chris Bennett's gone. I do get that. But it doesn't look like they've been able to generate something to get a, a little bit better feel for what they want to do as an organization right now. 
I'd love to go through the archives of the shows we've done this season and hear you hear how many times you said tough weekend for the Heartlanders <laughs> because it, it seems to begin to be a theme. And I think the problem stems from, I get it, it's minor league hockey, you're going to have a lot of turnover, but I think this team needed to establish an identity and have a core of players. And with the coaching change, it seems like it's produced nearly an entire entire flip of the roster other than, you know, a, a few select players and a guy like a goalie like Hunter Jones who needs the uh, needs the playing time. So it almost feels like it's like uh, a second expansion season and I just I just feel bad because I don't know in a market like Coralville, Iowa, how long they're going to stay interested in this team if this team doesn't um, become a winning club. Well, the interesting thing about Iowa this season has been it has been spurts in games where they just are being completely outplayed by opponents. Early on in the year, it was uh, the first period that they were giving up five or six goals or four goals in the first period. Now, all of a sudden, it's late in games. Uh, they they hold a two-to-one lead in the second period against Kansas City on Tuesday on Friday night, excuse me, give up three goals in the span of a little less than four minutes, then come back to pull within one with back-to-back goals in 30 seconds, both on the power play, uh, that get them right back in this contest. But four goals in the final period winds up sealing this victory for the Mavericks. And it's like, man, you know, you got three power play goals in a game. That That's pretty pretty unheard of that you lose games like that with, when your special teams are generating, but then you gave up three power play goals. It's very interesting club this season, Kevin. Remember how we saw that last year with the AHL Iowa Wild 2 where they gave up so many leads in the third period? When I saw highlights of what went down on Saturday night in Wichita, I couldn't help but to think the same thing. And the last goal just looked downright weird, and I just seemed like Hunter Jones was just confused on where he needed to be. I get it, maybe there was a bad hop or something, but the the goal just looked awkward. And, you know, we've been on we, – we love the kid. We hear he's a good kid, but – there just seems to be that blip in his game right now where he just tends to allow goals by the bushel load. And, and you know, he's a second-round draft pick. Uh, you talked about it in the store earlier in the show, Wallstead playing good for Iowa. And you got to think that Wallstead is being groomed to be the number one guy in Minnesota at some point. We just don't know right now where Hunter Jones' career trajectory is going to be. Because right now, I I would think by your third season in professional hockey, you're establishing yourself at least as an AHL quality of goalie. And I don't think we have that in Jones. I know I'm being a little rough. He only gave up two goals in regulation. But just the the, the time in which he gave them up, it's just a time where you need your goaltender to bear down and maybe make a couple saves that you're not supposed to make. But I'll get off my soapbox about that because, I, you know, the team's got a lot of other problems too. No, I, I think you're bringing up some, some good points. And you know, we, we've talked to Hunter a little bit, and, and he, he's, a, he's a very confident young man. He, he believes in himself. You know, he was given the opportunity 
coming out of uh, out of juniors to be the number one goaltender for the Iowa Wild two seasons ago, uh, and took that job. Struggled a little bit early on, but really came back into his own as the season was going along, and really looked like he had some moxie. He was going to be a guy that they could depend on. But last year struggled. I, you know, I, I get. I guess I get to Kevin moving back and forth between clubs is probably not easy, even if it is a a two hour drive. It's you know, and trying to figure out. Get, work with your teammates and different defensemen and forwards and schemes and systems are going on all the time. I'm sure that that is quite a challenge, but you know what? Nobody's going to have sympathy for you in those kind of situations. And so Corbin Kaspersky gives up seven goals on Friday. Hunter Jones gives up those two goals late on Saturday. And, uh, you know, I, I think what everybody figured was going to be a strength of this team this season was going to be very strong goaltending. Man, maybe that's a huge question mark right now. And, you know, the neat thing about hockey is you got a chance to go out in the next game and redeem yourself. And I think you make a good point about Jones in that we saw it in the NHL level with Marc-Andre Fleury when he came to Minnesota last year at the trade deadline that with the compressed schedule, there wasn't a lot of practice time. And there wasn't a, much time for his defensemen to get used to him. And what when he wants to play the puck when he doesn't, which way will he which way does he like to move the puck? And what situations will he come out and try to jump start the offense? So and I get that Jones if he's bouncing around between the wild Iowa Wild and then the Heartlanders, you know, at what point do you develop a rapport with your decor if you're constantly moving back and forth? So not saying it's an excuse, but it is something that I think um, you were right in addressing. This week, just one game. So they, they played Friday and Saturday, had Sunday off. They are off until Sunday when they, Kalamazoo comes back to town. Um, this is a team that has huge playoff aspirations for themselves and looks like they, they, they might be a real force in this division. Uh, struggling early on here at 3-5-1, and one, but this is a, a very talented Kalamazoo Wings team. And um, but if you're the Heartlanders, you got to be looking at the right now. They're the team above you, so this is a, a club you got to come in and try to get points out of right now, especially when you're at home. And the last time they were home, they were six to two winners. So that's the last impression the home fans had. So you hope that they come out energized and put on a good show and come out with uh, another victory to try to get the season jump started. Well, Kevin, kind of heading out for this week, uh, you talked about Mason Shaw. Looks like he is going to be staying with the Minnesota Wild for the remainder of the season. Exciting opportunity for him, a guy that's battled some major injuries, but you know, continue to battle through that and getting his getting his real shot. Uh, you know, a fan favorite down there in Iowa um, is is going to be an NHL player for this entire season. It looks like, and you know, uh, you've had an opportunity to watch these Minnesota Wild over all of these years. Is there a guy like that that just seemed to defy the odds, that, uh, you know, battled through injuries or people just didn't give him a chance or whatever, but then wound up just becoming a guy that was a, a fan favorite or just really made a big impression for the Minnesota Wild that you could tell us about this week? How about that? I don't think there's anyone that comes to mind because what Shaw has gone through has been incredible where he's had – I believe three or four major knee surgeries done. And, and he, you know, he wasn't a guy that was like a first or second round pick. He was 
I believe a mid-rounder, maybe third, fourth, or fifth round. And it's such a good story because he he never sulked. He never gave up. He just kept coming back. And, he, you know, he didn't. He never shied away from the physical aspect of the game because of his knee. And it's just good to see someone like that getting rewarded right now. But what I do want to talk I, I, to you about is uh, it seems to be a red-hot topic on Twitter. We see it in the in the AHL, ECHL. We don't know. There's no real rhyme or reason to the the jerseys, whether they were dark at home or white at home. But on the NHL level, teams, uh, for the most part, are exclusively wearing the dark jerseys at home. You're an old-timer like I am. Which would you prefer, whites at home or darks at home, or do you not even care? Well, I remember it was, what, in like 10 or 12 years ago, the NHL decided that the dark uniforms would be worn at home. Am I, am I remembering that right? It was coming out of the, the season that was lost to the lockout in 2005, 2006 is when they made the switch. Okay. I was a guy who grew up on white jerseys at home. Okay, and that but NFL did differently when I was a kid, but baseball you wore your white jerseys at home and hockey you wore your white jerseys at home and basketball I guess you did too. So I, I kind of like that, but uh you know, to be honest with you, I, I think in the in this day and age where it seems like teams have a, a promotional jersey or something ten games out of the season, I don't know if it really matters anymore. What what's your thought on that? I'm like you, I'm an old-timer in that, you know, growing up, I never really got to see my team play home games on TV, so I always would see the dark jerseys. So for me, it was like a special treat when you got to go to a live game and you finally got to see your team playing in the white jerseys. So to me, I also enjoy the dark jerseys because – if you spend any time around me, you know that um, food and my clothing um, have a pretty tainted relationship, and it's uh, a lot easier to stain a white jersey than a dark one. So what I would like to see is something that NHL did in their, I believe it was their 75th season, I think it was, in 1991-92, where for the first half of the season, the, the home team wore the white jerseys. And then at, for the second half of the season, they wore the dark jerseys because that's the way it was back in, like, the 1960s, I believe. So I would like to see that. I know sometimes people say it's based on jersey sales and that darker jerseys tend to sell better than white jerseys. But I think at one time it was the other way around. I think people like the white jerseys better. So... That's my 10 cents on the whole thing. I think that's a good topic out there. And, uh, again, I'm a traditionalist kind of guy being old, and so I kind of like the, the white at home. But nobody ever seems to listen to us anyway, Kevin, so you never know. <laughs> that's how it work out. <laughs> Kevin, thanks for joining me this week. My pleasure again, Rob.